My name is Jesse, and I work with small businesses in the government marketplace. You're listening to FedBiz5, where you get informed, get connected, and get results on everything government contracting. Hello, and welcome to another podcast. Today, Anthony is here, and the topic of discussion is capability statements and what you need to include for the most positive impact. Hello, Anthony. How are you? Pretty well, thanks. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. First off, for our newer listeners, what is a capability statement? All right. So a capability statement is a usually one-page government-centric resume for your company. Um, It's a marketing piece. It's designed to make a good impression, just like your resume was when you had one for your last job, right? So that's that's really what a capability statement is in a nutshell. It's a resume for the government. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But there are certain aspects to it that are important to include on each and every capability statement. Um, you should have a area that includes your corporate data, which would include cage code, your new UEI number, unique entity ID identification number is what that is. And that's that's been put into effect almost a month to the day. And it takes the place of the DUNS number. Right. Uh, I would include NAICS codes. And the, the NAICS codes thing is a tricky thing because you don't want to go crazy with your NAICS codes because you don't want to look unfocused, right? If you have 20 NAICS codes and they're all over the place, it makes it hard for somebody to determine what it is you do well, right? So I would keep it to five NAICS codes. Now, it's entirely possible that your company does do all those things. Well, in that case, I would have different NAICS codes attached to different capability statements. So if I was focusing my company, if I was selecting an agency that I was targeting, well, the first thing I would do is I would go to that agency website to see how they suggest I do my capability statements. Some agencies want you to do two pages, some page, some of them want them front and back. So I would take a look and see if they have any recommendations. If they don't, then what you're doing is fine. But I would tailor it to either an opportunity I was going for, or I would tailor it to the agency that I was targeting. Um, try to learn the language that they use. What's important to them? Um, An agency may use different language to describe the same thing. One agency may call, and somebody else used this example, and I like it, um, water purification. While another agency might call it water filtration. It's the same thing, but you want to target the language to the agency that they use, that they're familiar with. So essentially, you want to find out what does the reviewer want to see, right? Oh, yeah. And what are they looking for? Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's a good question because it, it, it it's valuable. And and of course, this requires some work. Now, you might have your capability statement and it's, and it's a basic capability statement. It's something that you could use to hand out at seminars and stuff like that. And that's good. And you may want to have sometimes if it's allowed, you might have a second page so that I know that sometimes I see sources thought. I know I've killed that topic, but. A source of thought may ask for a two-page capability statement, and the second page, you want to focus on exactly what they're looking for in that source of thought, right? They may ask for an extended capability statement. Okay, so what else is important to have on your capability statement? Okay, so the corporate data, you want to have a capability narrative. It could be equated to a mission statement. And because it's a capability statement, it's not, or a capability narrative in this case, it's not... You, you can expand on it a little bit. You could use a little flourish there. Don't go crazy, but, you know, you could you could expand a little bit. Um, you want to have your core competencies. 
what do you do well? And that's another area where you want to be careful. You want to make sure that your core competencies are really focused on the service or goods that you're trying to present to that particular viewer, right? Uh, differentiators. A lot of people struggle with differentiators. It's not what makes you different. Why Why you and not somebody else? That simple. I feel like that was a pretty important one personally. It is, but so many people make it more complicated than it needs to be. If you have a business and you're working commercially and you have clients that come back and tell you, wow, you know, I really appreciated this experience because of this. And you get that a couple of times or a few times. Well, you know what? That's a differentiator, right? It differentiates you from competition. Um, another section that should be past performance or um, uh, corporate experience. Now, past performance, if, if you're using this as a, uh, a federal government resume, when a contracting officer sees the word past performance, they think federal. If they look at it then and it's not federal, there's a slight disconnect there. It's, it's just a question of the language. Um, that's not to say that your other experience, your commercial experience or work that you've done with state and local governments isn't important. It is, but you need to frame it differently. Past performance to a, to a uh, you know a federal purchaser's mind means federal. Um, corporate corporate experience is state and local, commercial, which is all valuable, and it could refer to let's say it's a fairly new company, but the uh, the CEO of that company or the owner of that company brings this vast past experience in the commercial world, or that maybe they worked with the government before. The value of that knowledge doesn't go away just because you started your own company. You present it in such a way so you know that that experience is coming to the table, but you're not qualifying it as as past performance for the company itself. So it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a tightrope walk there, but all that is valuable. You also, if you're talking about specific projects, you probably want to mention the value. You know, like what were you paid for that project? If I'm a, if I'm a uh, purchaser, a federal purchaser, and I see a company that the only thing on there is, you know, uh, a $2,000 project, but I'm looking at a $4 million project, do I, do I have the confidence that you'll be able to perform on that and be able to manage that project? I don't know. So it's important if you've worked on bigger projects, if you've been a subcontractor. Oh, by the way, a subcontractor on a federal contract, you can call that patch performance, too. But it's perfectly acceptable because at the end of the day, the end user was a federal user. You know, so like I said, every agency is a little bit different. They make different recommendations and you should be able to be fluid with your capability statement. If you have your initial information in. You want to be able to swap that information out or add to it as as the agency suggests or as the target suggests. Excellent. So one thing that was not mentioned is socioeconomic. I, I know I've said this before, but with the socioeconomic, yes, you want it on there. You certainly do want that. If you are eligible for a socioeconomic uh, set aside, you certainly want to have that on there. I would differentiate between whether I was self-certified or whether I've gotten a third-party certification. The, the SBA is kind of doing away with self-certifications in a lot of areas. So if I was self-certified as a woman-owned business, I would write out the words woman-owned business, and then I would parenthetically put self-certified. If I had actually went through the process of being third-party certified, I would say certified, and I would put that emblem somewhere. Um, and that could be an extension of your corporate data as well. I just wouldn't lead the charge with it, right? I wouldn't start my mission statement by saying, I'm a woman-owned small business that, because that's not your value proposition. Right. It, it's important on these to 
recognize what your real value is, what your value proposition is, and then it's what, what you bring to the table. Solid advice. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on, and we'll uh, we'll catch up with you later. All righty. Take care. Bye-bye now. This concludes this week's episode of FedBiz 5, where you get informed, get connected, and get results. Today's podcast is sponsored by FedBiz Access. Government contracting made simple. Visit them at fedbizaccess.com or contact them at 888-299-4498. Nine eight.